What's up, guys? Welcome to Demo with Mo. I'm your host, Monique Simmons. We'll be discussing dating, engaged, and married objectives from a young Christian's perspective. Are you guys ready? Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of Demo with Mo. This is part two of Sex Before Marriage. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode of the first part series. I was so excited about my conversation with Deonica. I can't wait for you guys to hear part two on today. We just celebrated over 200 downloads of the podcast and I'm so excited about it. I just want to tell you guys, thank you. Thank you for your support of the podcast. Whether you're listening, you're downloading, you're sharing, you're subscribing, you're following my Facebook page, whatever you're doing to support. I thank you so much and I don't take it lightly and I don't take it for granted. There's so many other podcasts out here, so many other things you could be doing, but you're here supporting me and I appreciate it. I hope what's being said, what's being discussed has encouraged you along your journey. I don't want to hold you guys any longer. Remember to follow me on Facebook, Demo with Mo. Join our private group if you're dating, engaged, or married. But let's dive into the rest of my conversation with Deonica. I hope you guys enjoy. What have you been asked the most regarding sex before marriage in your small group? You know, we... We haven't discussed it yet. So okay. it's not. So our next, our upcoming uh, session is about marriage. So we're going to take marriage vows. We're going to take the scriptures out. We're going to say, you know, this is what the preacher says when, you know, two people are getting married. Are you this? Are you doing this work? Are you doing this work? Yeah. And so actually, um, I think sex is like two weeks after um, our discussion. Gotcha. However, I will say, when I was promoting my small group to individuals, that was like the main thing they wanted to know. They were like, mm-hmm. I really want to know how to talk about sex and things like that. And of course it was like in a whisper, it's like, I want to talk about the sex part. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Like that is part of the outline. That's part of the discussion we're going to talk about. And so, you know, just prepare yourself. And sometimes like an hour is just not long enough to talk to these ladies about stuff. And originally with the small group, I really wanted it to be co-ed. And I know that's, that was hard to have, but some of these conversations that we are having for us as women, I feel like it's so necessary that men are having it and I don't think they're having it. And I think we're seeing a lot of the results of men not having that conversation, especially in like society and like men and rappers and things like that. So that's another thing for the ladies. Like this is this self-work that you're doing is so that you can identify toxicity outside of you and know how to reflect from that and be able to walk away from that. So, Yeah. yeah. I like that. Okay. So since you brought up about the men kind of being in this conversation too, what do you think about purity culture? Because I know it it was big in the 90s. You know, you hear a lot of people um, talk about it, about how it was the young ladies committing themselves to their dads and saying, you know, I'm not going to have sex until I get married. And they had these purity rings. But my question to you is because even with that, it, it was so much pushed on the women, the young ladies, the girls, but you never really hear it with the, the guys and the fellas. What do you think about the purity culture? How do you feel about it? I think the purity culture was definitely more men sending sending that down. I mean, there were some women involved in it too, but yeah. I think for the people who were projecting the purity culture, it was like, well, we can't say too much to the men because there are leaders, you know, there are pastors, there are deacons, there are whatever. Um, so, you know, we can't put too many limits on them, but, you know, they got the power of God. God talked to them all the time. So, you know, we don't have to talk to them too much, but these women over here, the way they dress in, like, you would think that 
we as women, like just us existing is tempting men. But I think there's so many conversations that need to be had as far as like, hey, men, you know, women are tempted, men are tempted. But guess what? We are in control of these things. We can't just be like, oh, well, I'm aroused. So whatever I do as a result of that is not really my fault. Like, mm -mm. but for women, yeah, you, you, something happened to you because you walked out the door and your cleavage was showing. Like, no, I think more conversation needs to be had to men because what was funny was that um, I would promote the small group, but I would get a small fraction of men, a small fraction of men. And if you look at our church currently, there aren't that many single men that come. And so, yeah, I just think the conversation needs to be pointed back to men because they are just as in control because yeah, we need to not, not to put all the weight on women. Right. And I agree. And I'm sure, cause that, you know, like we've talked about in the past, when we say the church, we're talking about ourselves. So we kind of put the church as a whole, but I'm sure there were some people who had great motives concerning the purity culture. I'm sure there, you know, they had, they meant it to be something well, but there were some people who motives were not right, you know, where it was kind of pushed on the young ladies. And that's the part that I don't like. It's like, you're the reason, the reason, like you said, that I'm aroused or the reason I feel this way is because of what you're wearing or how your hair is or the way you carry yourself or the way you talk. And that's not fair because we are in control of ourselves. You're feeling the way you're feeling is because of your own sin and your own issues. It's not because of me, you know? So that's the part of it that I did not like. Mm -hmm. Okay. Personal question for you. Okay. Do you have an, an accountability person, somebody that kind of holds you accountable or tries to help you along this journey? Oh, man, I actually had two beautiful women um, that were my accountability partner. Those They were the ones when I knew I was having one of those days and I was like, I need to call them instead, you know, instead of, you know, picking my phone up to call, you know, a guy. But between the two of them, I think, you know, they're getting new jobs, they're moving, you know, some one of them started dating. And it's just like, I feel alone again. I've been in a good position because I mean, since them kind of moving on with their lives, I've been able to pick up this small group, you know, at the same time. So the Holy Spirit has been working heavily. Yeah. But that now that you mentioned it, I think I still do need to have a accountability partner because I am starting to date again and some of those temptations are going to come up. So they I are. need to be able to talk to somebody and say, just somebody who's rooting for me and know, knows that knows why I'm on this journey and my reasons why to just be able to say, you know, keep going and keep believing in the things that you've been believing in. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I would encourage anyone, whether you're single, married, wherever you are in your life, I always encourage people to have an accountability partner because we all, no matter where we are in our journey, we all face temptations and struggles and attacks from the enemy. And it's just good to have somebody, not somebody beating you over the head or condemning you when you mess up or when you fall, but someone encouraging you, you know, to keep going and and reminding you of your reasons why that you're doing this. Remember that you're trying to save yourself from marriage because you want this pure and beautiful experience with your partner or in your marriage, don't give up, you know, don't walk away. You are trying to just hold them accountable and help them to remember why they're doing what they're doing, because it's easy to give up. It's easy to give in to temptation and, you know, just be like, whatever, I'm going to have sex or whatever. I'm going to walk out of this marriage or whatever. I'm about to curse them out. You know, it's we all face different things, but it's just good to have somebody in your corner that's telling you not to give up. Don't take the easy way out. You can do this. You can overcome this. And even with accountability partners, I would tell somebody, get somebody that you can be completely honest with, because I'm very vulnerable and open about my life. I can't have somebody that I got to, you know, give a half truth to. If I'm feeling like I'm about to cuss my husband, I don't curse, but if I'm feeling like I'm about to cuss my husband out and he done tick me off, I need to be able to say that to you. I'm not, I don't want to be like, you know, things are, you know, they're not going so well today. Or 
I just can't do that. I can't sugarcoat. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to have somebody that you can be open and honest about where you are and who you are. And they can be able to come back and give you a new perspective on it. You know, I know he done made you mad today, but it's okay. You know, this is a tactic from the enemy. This will pass. Yes. You know, there are so many more good things going on in your relationship. Don't focus on that one negative. You know, you need somebody like that. Not somebody yes. to be like, girl, go ahead and cuss them out. You know, no. <laughs> the drama. Yes. Oh, so with your That's accountability so partner, yeah. get somebody that you can be open and real with and get somebody that's not going to encourage you in your wrong or, you know, you be like, yeah, girl, go ahead and do that, which is sin or something, you know, that God would not be pleased with, but somebody that's going to be loving, but tell you the truth. Yeah, that's so good, because the, one of the big things that we've been talking about um, is community in singleness. Um, you think, oh, a lot of the women are saying, well, I want a husband that I can come home to and tell him about my day and he needs to be this and this and this. I'm like, that's a lot to put on somebody, one person who who has their own flaws, their own things that they got going on, their own traumas and emotions and stuff. You need to have that in community. Like the big thing with um, when I said, okay, I'm stepping back from dating. I, I would have those nights where I'm like, God, I'm so lonely. Like, you know, I'm so lonely. And then like, there'd be a knock on the door and it'd be my friend. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Like the Holy Spirit was saying community, like these yes. moments where you're lonely, these moments where you want to tell somebody about your day, it's for your community. And the more you build your community, you need to have a diverse community, obviously. Yeah. The more you build your community, that community community doesn't go away. You take them into your marriage. Right. So you these are the same people who you talk to about, oh, I had a rough day or this or that. You're taking the pressure off your relationship so that it can be just pure and love and just y'all being each other's helpmate. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I told you the last two weeks I had episodes come out about friendships, how important friendships are and how it affects your relationships, etc. But that's what my girlfriends are. We have a group text and we talk probably every day because we're all we're in busy seasons of our lives. Some of us have little kids. Um, One of my girlfriend's husband passed away this year from COVID. So it's just Mm -hmm. we all have a lot going on. So we're not able to just get on the phone and talk. And that's another thing that people have to realize, you know, our seasons of life change and you just adjust to the season. In my singleness, I was able to do things that I'm not able to do now that I'm married. And you if you just adjust, you adjust to the season. So we're we're in a season where we're not able to talk on the phone like we used to. So we just kind of keep our group texts going, you know, send out a text when we can throughout the day. And I love it because you're able to say things to them that you you shouldn't. I'm going to say shouldn't because some people will say it to their partner, but that you shouldn't say to your partner because a lot of times... If you're going off your emotions, you really haven't thought through and you say things that you can't take back or that may offend the other person. And what you're saying may be right, but you didn't say it right or, you know, you you just didn't take the time to think it through. But if you have this community or these people that you know love you and going to hold you accountable, you can yes. say things and they be like, well, nah, Monique, mm-mm, that ain't right. Mm-mm, y'all, you, mm-mm, you saw that wrong or you know that's not his motive or whatever. And I'm just giving this example but that's how important community and accountability and friendships are because now you have this safe space where you can kind of share things and kind of get a new perspective or a new mindset or somebody that's not kind of biased and you know because when you're going through something you kind of just see it your way but now you have these people who they're not experiencing it right now so they can kind of give you fresh perspective like nah you you might be in your feelings about that one and it's just beautiful because it it helps to combat what the enemy is trying to do in your marriage or in your relationship or what even your flesh because everything at the enemy fault but even sometimes our flesh because as you said earlier which I loved a lot of times in our in our singleness we have all these because we're in the flesh, we're human, we're, we're, we're broken individuals, we'll never be perfect until we get to heaven. But 
we have all of these things that we may not per se be dealing with. And then you trying to bring two people who have their own separate issues, who were raised differently, who, who think differently, who just are different. And now you're trying to bring these two broken people together and do life together. And it's hard. If you don't deal with your own individual issues, now yes. the things that they do triggers your issues and you're triggering their issues. And it's just a hot tail mess. But if we begin mm. to be accountable for self, whether you're single or married, you have to be accountable for yourself. You have to do the work. And as you brought up earlier about my podcast episode, it was called Unpack Your Bags, about dealing mm. with your own trauma, your own issues, your own instability. You have to be responsible. You're responsible for that. What mm. happened to me as a child is not my partner's fault. What my, my daddy did to me or what my mom said to me, that's nobody else's fault. And I now begin to take those things out on them, but that's mm-hmm, not fair. Mm-hmm. We have to do the work. We really do. Absolutely. So I can't make you, I can't expect my partner to make you feel better about yes. my trauma. Yes. Like, cause I, that was some things that we brought up in the group. Somebody was like, well, you know, I want them to make me feel better about myself. And I was like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. Cause you are ask, you are asking for things to go south because if he doesn't have the words to help you feel better about yourself, then you're going to resent him. You're going to feel this way about him. Well, you can't make me feel better about myself. No, you need to come into the relationship feeling great about you. Cause I mean, you have to be your own best cheerleader in a, in everyday life and you can't put that pressure on another person. Yeah. And it's not fair or realistic because there is something in all of us. There's a void there that God purposefully put in us that only he can feel. Your partner can't feel it. Your parents can't feel it. Sex can't feel it. Drugs and alcohol can't feel it. Because you know, that's a lot of these things that we do, we're just trying to fill that void and we keep doing it because it ain't working. You know, we just keep doing it, but the void still ain't been filled. I'm still feeling the same way I've been feeling, but that's because only God can fill that void. So when you go into a relationship with that mindset that my partner's going to make me feel better about myself, all my sexual traumas and all these things that I'm dealing with now, now that I'm married and I can have sex freely, those those traumas going to go away. It ain't going to work. It ain't, it ain't going to work. You, like you said, you're setting a relationship up for failure because your partner can't feel you completely. They're not even made to complete you. You guys are made to complement one another because we're helpmates. I'm made to help you in those areas. You may be a little weekend, you know, I make you look, look a little good and you do the same for me, but I can't complete you and you can't complete me. Both of us have to be seeking God to be fully complete, to be our whole person, our whole selves. And when both of us are focusing on being complete through God, we can be good because now I don't have you on this pedestal. Now I'm not expecting you to do everything. Or when you don't do those things, now my world isn't over. Yeah. You didn't take out the trash this morning. Okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, you didn't tell me my new hairstyle was beautiful. Yeah, okay. It's just like those things that really don't matter because I'm not seeking to be filled by you, you know, because right. you can't. And the more I keep trying to make you be something that you're not, as you said, I'm going to begin to resent you. You're going to begin to resent me because now you're putting this pressure on me that I can't handle because I can't do it, you know. Because so, I can't do it. Yeah. So we yeah. have to learn that our partner cannot complete us. And for those of you who are in your singleness, don't go out when you're dating and you're looking, have someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with. Don't have that mindset going in. This is just, they're a benefit because you're complete in yourself between you and God, baby, you a whole person before you even get married. What the picture should be is I'm a complete person on my own. You're a complete person on your own and we come together and this thing about to be beautiful. But what happens so many times I come in broken. I don't acknowledge my faults. I don't acknowledge my issues. You come in like that. And now it's just a hot mess. I'm triggering you. You triggering me. Now we mad and marriage don't work. And I never should have married you. And you the wrong person. Y'all. 
Yes, yeah. it's a it's a scary, slippery slope. It's, and then we go out and we tell other people, oh, marriage, my marriage is this. No, 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 no. Because then you are affecting the vision that another person has on marriage. Yes. Because you can't get your marriage right when you aren't doing the work. So, whew, yes, yes, so I true. Have, I have a family member, I won't say any names, but I have a family member. And months ago, we were talking about, it was all of us together. And we were kind of talking about marriage and relationships. And they're not married. They were talking about marriage and relationships and how things are now and how people don't want to be married and how, you know, how just how negative things were. And, you know, this family member was like, I don't know if I want to be married. And I had to, I had to kind of call that out. Like, don't let what the world is doing, what, what they're portraying marriage to be. Don't let that ruin your view of marriage. Because if we do marriage God's way, marriage can be beautiful. The issue is as believers, we're trying to do things the world's way and want and get God's results. That won't work. You have to do it God's way to get God's results. So don't let what the world is saying about marriage and how they're just walking out and divorcing and divorce rate is so high. Don't let that discourage you because you can look over here at me. Marriage is good. And don't get me wrong. We have our issues and we still go through things, but I'm doing it God's way. And because I'm doing it God's way, I'm going to get God's results. And I believe that. So I don't let what's going on out there detour me, but that's what's happening a lot. And that's why you see a lot of people not wanting to be married, but you do it the world's way or Satan's counterfeit way. That's the results you will get. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So good. So good. Okay, so you kind of talked about this a little bit, but how has your journey been regarding um, trying to abstain from having sex before marriage? How has it been? You know, I I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed it would be so freeing, so yeah. freeing. It feels like every day is like I can't wait to get up every day because I know the day is going to be good. Like yeah. back before, you know, I gave my life to Christ, like every day was miserable. And I was just like, oh, what's going to happen today? You know, something's not going to go right. You know, I, my emotions were tied to if I was having a good day, if I was having a bad day, if my coworker was having a good what, good day, if work was good. Yeah. And now, now it's more of like, I don't know, something about it. I just feel lighter. I feel like I can walk faster, you know, like when something's just been kind of lifted off your shoulders yes, and <laughs> thinking to myself prior to all this saying like, oh, I'm telling myself that I can't have something. And that was my focus. But now it's like, not that I can't have something, but that I feel myself with more good stuff. So yeah. where I couldn't have sex, I've spent more time with my friends where I couldn't have sex. I was traveling more, you know, when it made sense Uh, where I couldn't have sex, I was going to therapy. And for some reason, just having all those things, I would go months, days, whatever. been like, Oh, you know what? I ain't, I ain't been with nobody. Like I ain't been out looking for nobody. I'm like, this is, this is kind of nice. And on those days when, you know, I was here at the apartment by myself, like it didn't, bother me. I was just like, you know, I can find something good to watch on TV or let me check and see what my friend doing. I'm gonna bother her real quick. You know, those kind of things. So it's been all worth it. And it makes dating so much more intentional Yeah, because, and you have to get creative, right? Because the whole Netflix and chill thing is off the table. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to be more creative, but it's made dating fun. So like, instead of, you know, coming back here to watch a movie, we're going out to, you know, throw axes. We're going out for frozen yogurt. We're going to some type of event or festival for music, you know, whatever. It really makes dating fun, you know, as long as you keep it, keep it healthy. And even if I, on those times when I'm not, you know, I don't have a date, I can do those things with my friends. And it's, and the more things that I do, it's more things that I discover about myself. Like, "Hmm, you know, I love festivals. I love arts and crafts. I'm going to go to an arts festival, not by myself, but I can go by myself, but I'm going to bring 
bring a friend and we're going to get closer together and I'm going to get filled. She's going to get filled. I'm going to get filled because she's getting filled. And it's just been so, so nice. So, so, so nice. It's I love great. it. I <laughs> love it. It's so good. It's so, 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 so good. What you're saying. You guys, I hope what she said did not go over your head because what Satan does, he tries to get us to focus on that one thing we cannot have. And that's mm-hmm. our distraction. You know, God doesn't want you to have sex before marriage. Just like how he did Adam and Eve in the garden. They had access to everything in the garden except this one tree. He's telling Eve, you you know, she's like, no, I can't have anything off that tree. You know, God said I would die. Here comes Satan. Will you surely die? You won't surely die. Like, you you know, and that's yeah. what he does. Your life is so full. And if we focus on, it's just sex. He's over here dangling it. You surely, you know, you surely <laughs> won't die if you have sex. Yeah. You, you know, come on, you, you can have sex, you know. But we're forgetting when we're focusing on this one thing we can't have, we forget all the fullness that our life has to offer. It's yeah. so much. And I want to encourage you listening, if you are in your singleness, the same way he kind of dangles six before you, before you get married and saying, you know, this one thing you cannot do and kind of makes you focus on that one thing you can't have. It still happens in marriage. Then he begins mm-hmm. to remind you in your marriage. You remember when you were single and how you could do all of these things. Mm-hmm. So I want to encourage you that it's okay. It's a, the same struggle that you're dealing with and being tempted with. It's just going to be a new temptation when you get married. So again, marriage is not the end goal. It's not take it off the pedestal right now because you're going to have those same struggles. It just will be a new sin, a new temptation, but you'll still face these same things in marriage. It won't change. So you just have to remember, am I going to focus on this one thing I can't have, this one thing that seems so desirable to me, or am Mm -hmm. I going to focus on everything else I have in my life going on? It's so many more things going on in my life right now. It's so many more things. And for some reason, like my confidence level, like, of course, they tell you in school, have confidence. But I don't think they tell you that confidence comes in exploring the things that make you great. Like one thing when I intentionally decided to, you know, be single, like I put up on the board, like a lot of goals that I wanted for myself. And one of them was to just figure out what clothes look great on me, what colors look great on me. Like, and it wasn't just to, oh, just so I can wear something nice. When I go out on a date, when I go to work and I wear stuff like feel next level, it ain't because nobody's done anything. It's not because anybody's told me I'm pretty or whatever. It's because when I put that stuff on, I feel good about me and I just step a little different. And you'll be surprised like when you step out and you feel great about you. Yeah, that magnetizes so many people yes. to you. You ain't going out looking for the right guy, Mr. Right. <laughs> he's looking for you. He, yeah. He's in the store and he's like, mm, something about her. She just stepping a little different. Let me go see what's going on over here. And that's so funny. Like that's happened like the last couple of times. If I did meet somebody, you know, I, I was just operating in me, in full yeah. wattage me. And somebody yeah. was like, you know, what's your name? You know, let yeah. me, let me talk to you, that type of thing. And, you know, let's get to know each other, yeah. that kind of thing. It's not me on the apps or whatever, you know, hoping that this person is the right person. No, it yeah. was just me operating in my full wattage. Yes. Okay. I'm here for it. I love it. And yeah. something that we don't talk about, the Holy Spirit is so attractive. Like, <laughs> It's just so like, it's drawing, you know, it's just something about it. The Holy Spirit, you, even though you out here looking good, don't get me wrong, but it's something about the Holy Spirit in you. It draws people to you. They just want to know more. Who are you? Like, what, what is it about you? It's something. What is it? You know, it's just, mm. (laughs) it's just something. I mean, something about it. And I get it all the time. Like I'll be in my office and somebody will just show up in my office, be like, you know, you were on my mind and they're just coming to be in your presence because something about you're not heavy on, oh, I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have this. You are light. And because you know, you're operating in everything God has given to you and you're exploring, you're discovering the person that God stitched you together to be and something about that confidence it's not tied to any human it's not tied to anything on this earth it's just an amazing feeling it's an amazing feeling it's addictive it's addictive 
live. I would have never thought. Girl. Okay, so I'm going to turn tables just a little bit. How do you think sexual trauma affects our view of sex? And is this something, if you don't mind sharing, that you've experienced personally? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think for me, my sexual trauma was attached to my daddy issues. Okay. And I was using it as a weapon. I wasn't using it as something to, in its original design, to bring me closer to have whoever this person was. Mm-hmm. And so it was also a coping mechanism for me feeling great about my because, you know, my dad wasn't present and um, my mom was really hard on me. Uh, so sex for me was like, oh, okay, this person made me feel good about myself, going back to what we were talking about. And then I was, I was feeling miserable after sex. Like I wasn't feeling any better. And then if he like left soon after, abandonment issues, like boom, high, high rates of abandonment issues. And I was like, if people are saying that sex is just so great and amazing, why do I feel so bad? And so part of stepping back from dating was taking sex off the table because I really wanted to do the research to figure out, well, why was I having sex? What did sex mean for me? And did I have a bad perspective of it? That's where therapy came in. And my therapist was able to identify that I was weaponizing sex. I was using it as the claw to keep, you know, men in my circle because, you know, my dad wasn't in my life like he should have been. And a lot of my relationships failed because of my sexual trauma, because if we weren't having sex, then I was like, something's wrong with the relationship. You know, what's going on? Like, I completely had the meltdown. And so I knew that, you know, with my research, giving my life to Christ, I was like, okay, sex seems like it needs to be the icing on the cake. So I'm missing what's in the cake. And so though I can't can't factor in the guy because he's his own person, I need to figure out what, what sex means to me, what sex is supposed to feel like. They have like a there's a therapist, a sexual, a sex therapist that meets locally here. And I went to her and we had a, a good conversation. It was on desire. It was about orgasm, just all those things. And so one thing I was telling her, I was like, you know, for some reason, like I can't like, you know, my body just doesn't operate. And then on the other side of things, I'm miserable. And so she says, you know, she gave, gave me this term blissed out. And she was like, that's what sex is supposed to feel like. You feel completely vulnerable. You are like open to the experience. You know, you feel safe. And she was like, when's the last time you felt like that? And so I explained to her, like, I felt like that when I went to the Virgin Islands and the Virgin Islands has this huge festival uh, late in the year. It's called Juve, I believe it's called. Forgive me, my people. Mm But it was this amazing festival. And I mean, there were these big trucks that had these big speakers on top. And I mean, there was music. People just were all over the place. It was raining. And so people were muddy. And for some reason, like, all you had to do was like go from, you know, one point and then come all the way down the street. And then it would end on the beach. And that's where they would have these water trucks that would spray everybody down. Because by the time you get there, you're so muddy. Right. But something about that was so freeing something about that was so freeing and I I felt safe and I felt like the people were there to have a great time I felt playful and all that stuff and she was like those are things you need to bring into your sex life that's what sex is supposed to feel like it's supposed to feel safe it's supposed to feel fun all those parameters you need to have in sex and it sounds like you're you don't have those parameters currently and it was true because you know the places I was having sex I don't I don't know these people's places you know I may feel comfortable in somebody else's home or wherever you know people are having sex I of course didn't feel safe because I wasn't being safe in the act and so it was all these things that my body was like I ain't working because mm-hmm. this don't this don't feel appropriate. This don't feel right. So it's interesting. Like your body will tell you, hey, this don't feel right. Even if your mind is just like, no, we're gonna keep going. Your body's like, girl, this yeah. this ain't it. And so a lot of our discussion was around what makes you feel safe sexually. 
And so I told her like all the parameters around mm-hmm. masturbation that makes sense for it to happen. And she was like, that's supposed to be present when you have sex. You're supposed to feel safe. You know, the, the mood should be right and you should feel protected. If you don't have those things, you can't have a great sex life. It was so good. I love it. And this is why I tell everybody I'm a advocate for therapy. I am a big advocate for therapy because there are a lot of things in our lives and everyone has different um, sexual traumas and some people have not experienced trauma. So everyone is different. So this is a little different for everyone, but especially if you've experienced sexual trauma, as we talked about earlier, you know, there's two extremes, you know, when you're single, sex is bad, don't have sex, you got to wait till you're married blah, blah, blah. Then when you get married, flip that switch. Sex is good. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it in your marriage. It should be beautiful. But that's going to be hard to do. If you've been taught that sex is bad for so long and then you finally get married and now you think it's going to be enjoyable and it's going to be so beautiful. It's not because for so long you have taught your body and your mind this. And it's so much there that needs to be dealt with. And it causes so many issues. But when you are able to have therapy and have a counselor, someone that you can be open and honest about all these things going on with you, and they can really tell you why you feel the way you do. And it's okay, you know, because I have someone in my life who's experienced sexual trauma by molestation is a and it went into the other relationships you know so now some things with sex is off limits don't you can't do this you can't do that and we're not doing this and it's just it's so guarded but the bible teaches us that sex was created for marriage and it's supposed to be enjoyable and it's supposed to be this you know this safe place where you and your partner are two becoming one and it's just supposed to be a beautiful thing but yeah. if somebody has hurt you and now you have this mindset around sex that this is off limits and I can't do that. And now I'm feeling the same way I did when I was molested. Something's wrong here. Something is not right here. Now I have to begin to deal with this because I can't ignore it because now every time it's about sex or a conversation about sex or me and my partner are supposed to have sex, all these feelings are coming back up. So now right. I'm not enjoying sex which probably means you're not enjoying sex and what God created to be beautiful is now broken. And now I think something's wrong with me. And it's just a a trickle effect. But when we begin to realize that, okay, I'm not feeling right around this issue. You know, I have certain feelings about this and I know it's not right. Let me talk to somebody. Let me kind of get to the root of why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and begin to deal with those sexual traumas. And it can make it so beautiful, but we have to begin to do the work. And no, it's not our fault that someone took advantage of us or Mm -hmm. it's not Mm -hmm. our fault that something bad has happened to us. But now I'm taking control of my life. I'm taking back control and what God created to be beautiful. How can I now do the work to make it that way? What can I now do to take my control back over something that was made to be so beautiful, but for me right now, it's the area you can't really deal with me on because mm-hmm. I had some brokenness in me. But now I have to begin to deal with it. And that's why counseling and therapy is so important because now you have this person who is basically for you. They help you. They give you the resources. They kind of guide you through things you didn't even think about. Oh, dang, that's why yep. I'm feeling like that. You know, what? I thought I was over that. But no, you're not. For our people, Black people, people of color. Counseling and therapy is important. It is nothing wrong with getting a little help. I have Jesus and I have my therapist. Do you hear me? Some of of y'all church folks, you know, (laughs) y'all put Jesus for everything. And don't get me wrong. Jesus is my source, but Jesus gives us resources to help us as well. So Jesus and my therapy has gotten me through the years and I have a great life. So it works. I just want to tell you that it does work. So good. Yeah. Um, The biggest thing for me through therapy was safety. Like I needed to feel safe when sex was involved. And casual dating does not provide safety for me. So that's when I knew I was like, okay, I need to commit to taking casual sex off the table and do the intentional work to find a partner that I know I can be safe with. And then I can have 
that beautiful version of sex that God talks about in the sanctity of marriage. Let me ask you this, because you said that. Do you think a lot of people now, they date casually or do they date with the purpose of marriage? I think a lot of people date casually. Um, I think it looks good to have somebody on your arm on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. And so I think the focus has been just so that somebody can see me with somebody. Some, I think I also put the pressure on myself when I was dating that anybody I was dating was going to potentially be the one yeah. that also puts, you know, pressure on the relationship as well, because it puts pressure on the relationship if you don't know what you're looking for. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, but when you know what you're looking for, you can intent- intentionally date and be able to realize, uh-oh, he's hit one of my non-negotiables. <laughs> Let me go ahead and communicate that yes. this ain't going to work out and move on. But again, to the side of people just dating just to say that they got somebody, And then, you know, the red flags are there, but they got all the likes on their photo when they were having frozen yogurt and stuff. No, that for some reason, that's more important than doing the the hard work to see if this is, you know, a partner. And I know marriage is not for everybody, right? But still, it I think at the source is I want somebody to do life with, you know, with all those things that you consider for a marriage partner, I think you need to also stack that up against somebody you can do life with. I like it. I like it. Okay. So I opened my podcast page to questions that we would answer live. And I got two questions. I'm going to read out the question question to you and you tell me what you think. Okay. Um, the first question says, if I'm being safe by using protection, why should I wait to have sex into marriage? Mm-hmm. That's a very good question because a lot of people will also be like, well, oral sex is not sex or, you know, oral sex is not, um, you know, being penetrative. It still has soul ties attached to it. You still emotionally get revved up for it. Like all of those things, like, yes, you know, be safe, wear condoms, you know, all these things are provided for you, but still your body is responding to sex and soul ties are still very real. And so I, I think you should still consider that, you know, hey, yes, it's it's a casual thing. It's just an, a one-off thing, but still like those soul ties are real and you want to make sure you're giving it to somebody that you feel safe with. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And the only thing I would add to that is Yes, you may be protecting yourself physically, but that doesn't protect you spiritually and emotionally and mentally. The same ways you would feel if you were sleeping with somebody unprotected, you're going to feel the same way you feel sleeping with them protected. The only thing you may be missing is an STD and a baby, but you still get attached. If this person was to walk out on you the next day, would you not be hurt because you use a condom? You still would be hurt, you know? so. Sex was made to connect us and tie us to this person. And like you said, do you really want to be tied to this person? So we have to be very careful with that. And I'm not one of those people who are bopping you across the head and say, don't have sex before marriage and it's so bad. That's not who I am because I know God offers us so much grace and so much mercy. But what I am telling you is if you do wait, God is not just leaving you out there with no benefits and no results because you waited. I'm telling you that it can be so beautiful and so amazing if you do. Mm -hmm. The last question here says, what if I'm engaged and I know without a doubt we're getting married? Can I have sex with my fiance? Oh, that's so good. And it's so tempting. It's so tempting. I mean, y'all are looking at the finish line. It's right there. It's right there. Like we can, we can slip up. However, I feel like the commitment that you are making, you need to stick to it because it's one of those things. Like if we slip up now, then we'll slip up, you know, afterwards, you want your marriage to be built on a good foundation. And if you are looking for the original form of marriage, which is to connect and tie, I think you should leave it for after marriage because that is the original design, right? And so um, another thing is that 
a lot of times we can bring uh, false expectations into our marriage, into our relationships. So like if you were sexually involved before or, you know, he was sexually involved before y'all got together or the other way around and then y'all have sex and then you're like, oh, well, he wasn't like Ted or Fred or whoever, you know, before you've already like ruined something that's so beautiful that's already like you've gotten to this point just keep steady keep steady because sex just confuses things outside of its original design and he might say the same thing like like for the two of you like y'all might get together and be like hmm well that one time just was kind of funny and now I feel funny and I don't know if this is for us no more keep it within the confines of marriage I I implore y'all to to stick it out stick it out and wait Good stuff, girl. I love that. And sex just, it just blurs the line. Even if you're engaged to get married, what if you guys decided to have sex? You've waited this time. You, you know, you, you committed to each other to do this and now you have sex and it just ruins everything. Like, yeah. Okay. This ain't what I thought it is. Cause I hear so many people, um, you got to try before you buy it and all this kind of oh, stuff. Right. And what if you tried and you don't like it? And you don't like it. And, and, and it was off that, that one experience because sex is one of the, especially in marriage, this is somebody you, you are planning. This is what your hope is when you get married. If this is somebody you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Off one moment, if the sex was not what you thought it was, is it over? Because this is the only person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. No, you're going to figure out ways to make it work. Find out what yes. pleases your partner and what pleases you. And it's just one of those ever-changing things but if you're engaged to be married and you end up having sex and it's not what you thought it was gonna be you know it's just it's just too many blurred lines there and Mm -hmm. and sex confuses things and it just if you can wait yeah wait if you can wait wait and i'm gonna give y'all this one example i told you i gave my life to christ february 7 2010 me and my husband was already living together so mm-hmm. we were living together and I told him I'm I'm not having sex before we get married. I was adamant about that. And we got married in June, but sometime in between it, I don't remember the exact month, but my flesh got the best of me because when you don't have guards and boundaries and safe places, it's easy to fall into temptation. And I don't care what yes. the temptation is, but we're living together. I'm with this person every day. And one day my flesh just got weak and I fell into it. Mm. Ended up having sex. And it just, it messed up so much between us. Like, it was just, I'm telling you, it's just, it causes blurred lines. So we ended up going to counseling with our pastor. We're very open. Well, I'm more open than he is, but he open, <laughs> he's open with our pastor. And he was like, she slipped up, you know, we might as well keep having sex. You know, we, we already living together. We have a child together. We about to get married. And my pastor was like, is that what your relationship with God is? If you Ooh. mess up, should you continue in your sin because you messed up one time or do you repent and turn from it? Oh, wow. You know? mm, okay. Now it's give you something to, right. <laughs> give me something to think about. And we never slept together again until we got married. But my point is in that, you know, it, even though this is the person that we knew we were going to get married, we, we already knew that. But still, I made a commitment to God. It was bigger than just that. Lord, yeah. I'm committing myself to you because even though <laughs> I told you I was the first friend to get married. So my friends then, they weren't all Christians, you know, because I had just given my life to Christ. So I still had my friends from the world. And, you know, they all were saying the same thing. He was saying, y'all are it. Let me drop this in there. I gave my life to Christ. Two weeks later, I got baptized, found out I was pregnant. Oh, wow. Yes. So I was pregnant before we had sex before I gave my life to Christ and I found out I was pregnant and God just had such a sense of humor because I always think like, what if I would have found out I was pregnant first before I gave my life to Christ? My story would probably be different. I probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't have gave my life to Christ if I'm being completely honest at that time. So I just love how God does things. But what my friends were saying was, you already pregnant. Y'all already living together. Why not keep just sleeping together? And I'm like, to the world, what I'm doing don't make sense. And that's right. how it is for all Christians. What you're in your singleness, what you're doing right now does not make sense to them. And that's okay. 
I made a commitment to God. It was between me and God personally. I knew what I was doing. Lord, I, I my desire is to do this the way that you said do it. I know right. I've been doing it wrong all these years before, but I didn't know you personally. I didn't have a relationship with you, but now I have a relationship and my desire is to do it right and to do it your way. And that's what I did. All my friends were talking about me. My husband was, his lips was pouting most days because oh, he wanted to course. have sex and you know, it, it is what it is, but I waited and I, I did it the way God wanted me to do. And it was so much better. I'm going to be com- yeah. completely honest. It was so much better once we got married. So mm-hmm. if you and can hold out, y'all, hold out. out. Hold, hold out. out. And if you can stay firm in that, like something about God raining blessings on you because you're being obedient and God rewards obedience. Yes. And so if you can stay firm in something like this, with all the temptation that's around it, you know, he he can bless you with something else because I know my daughter knows how to wait. I know she isn't, she isn't victim to her flesh. Yeah. So I can rain blessings on her in another way because I know she, she has the potential to be obedient. One last thing before I close, and I have enjoyed this conversation so much. I really have. I really have. Thank you so much for coming today. Um, One last thing. What would you say to the young man or woman who is trying to hold out and abstain to they get married in this 2021 world that we're living in right now? Right, right. Y'all, it is so hard. I will not say it's easy, but like anything, like if you're running a marathon, sometimes getting up off the couch that first day to run even 30 minutes, it's going to feel hard. There's going to be so many things out to get you, so many things against you. You're going to say to say what you're doing to other people. And they're going to be like, what are you doing? That sounds crazy. I say still stay firm. And again, don't feel like you are saying you don't have something. It just means that you have more room for something else. Explore what makes you, you. God made you in your mother's womb. He thought about your talents, what you would look like, what you would sound like, how tall you are. Like you have so much value before sex, before having a partner. Like those things aren't supposed to add value to you. You have value already. You just need to discover it. You just need to discover it. You need to figure out what makes you happy. What makes you joyful? What what do you need when you're upset? What do you need when you're mad? All of these things are part of what builds you. And the more that you know about you, the more that you can walk taller, speak different, and just be the best version of yourself. Because ultimately what you want to do is give whoever your potential partner is the best version of you. You don't want to give them the broken version. You don't want to give them the toxic version. You want to give them the best version. And so if that means you need to get that certification first, and that's, you know, going to make you the best version of you, do that. You know, fill what you consider a void with stuff. Like if there's a gap, fill it full of all the things that you can discover about you. Test everything. These bodies are meant to be test driven. Like we need to return these bodies to God. I mean, (laughs) wrinkled. I want to get to God and be like, good job. Because guess what? You're going to get to God and you're going to get to God. You know, it's not you and your husband holding hands and y'all approach God like, Yes. Like he wants to say, well done, well done. (laughs) So just take this time to discover all the possible things about you. Take those leaps of faith that make sense to you and take the Holy Spirit with you. The Holy Spirit is meant to be your helper in all of this and discover your community. Those people that are going to pray for you and honor you in in the in this moment because you need all those people. And so you're doing good work. You can be afraid in God. You can be frustrated in God. Just still do the work. I love it. It was beautiful. <laughs> Again, beautiful thank work. you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you. Thank yes. you. Yes. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. And it's so crazy. Well, not crazy because God just has an amazing way of doing things. But the way we connected, a friend of mine reached out to me when she found out about my podcast and she was like, I have somebody awesome that I know would love to connect with you. We talked that same day and it's like, you know, we've connected since. So I love it. I I really do. You are a beautiful soul. I appreciate (laughs) you for joining me on tonight. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. I've had a great time.
Awesome. All right, you guys, this was another episode of Demo with Mo. I hope you guys have enjoyed Deonica and I's conversation on tonight. I hope it blesses you. Share with your friends or your family, anyone that you think this conversation could benefit. All right, guys. you guys have enjoyed follow me on facebook at demo with mo if you have any questions you would like answered here live on my podcast email them to me at demo with mo at gmail.com that's d-e-m-o-w-i-t-h-m-o at gmail.com